0: Thank you for, for allowing me to come and share on peace. I did joke with Nick this morning. I go, now I was doing joy, right? And, and he's, now that's next week. So peace. I have five kids. Can somebody tell me what peace is? <laughs> Paul Starring, last night we had a sledding party and we had Paul Starring was there and you know, and we were deep frying turkeys in the driveway and all this stuff. And you you have all these people sledding and, you know, peace. Anyway, it was was really sweet. It was actually a real, I I felt like it was a shalom. It was a sweet time with brothers and sisters. Um, But just going back a little bit with my family, okay. When we moved here 18 years ago, my wife and I hadn't had children and we didn't think we were gonna have children. So we decided to build a one-bedroom house. Now, there were some people at this church who were praying for us. You know, Lisa Clifford, Marsha Dickerman, different ones were praying, Oh, Lord, let Lori, you know, bear children. Well, we framed up a one-bedroom house, and we were working on framing, Lori comes home and goes, I'm pregnant. So if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So we built a one-bedroom house. Five kids later, we ended up exchange, you know changing our garage over. So my tractor had to move out, poor tractor, and all the other stuff that was in the garage moved out. And now our master bedroom, family room, and then the boys have taken over our room, and the girls have the loft. And um, God has always met us, but but having going through life trying to control things, you know, it's it's what is peace? And I I want to share a story. One time I came home from work and my wife goes, how are you doing? Like, are you, are you in an okay place? And I'm like, what happened? You know, like, Dave, can you sit down? You know, like, all right, this is not good. Something is, is awry. And she goes, let me unlock the bathroom door. I'm like, what, is, what went on in the bathroom? You know, this is, and I want you to know, this is the new bathroom downstairs. It's just been renovated. Everything looks nice. <clears throat> Click. Open that door. There's poop on the vanity. The, the medicine cabinet is on the floor. Everything's everywhere. The shower curtain's torn down. I'm like, what in the world happened? It just looked like, the Tasmanian devil was in our bathroom. Well, maybe it was. It was my son, Nathan. So, so she's upstairs and she hears this crash. So she comes running downstairs. Lord, have mercy. What happened? She comes running around, opens the bathroom door, and there's Nathan, butt naked, on the vanity going, it's fixable. It's fixable. It's fixable. (laughs) Right? Just hoping that he's not going to be killed. So, (laughs) What had happened was he had a messy incident and decided he was going to try cleaning himself. So he climbed up on the vanity and was using the vanity. And when he went to come back down, he grabbed the medicine cabinet. And the medicine cabinet wasn't anchored properly. So it came out of the wall, took the shower curtain down, and just just a mess. So it took me about two hours to fix it. It wasn't, wasn't major. But I thank God for listening to wife's wisdom, she did not want glass shower doors. I wanted glass shower doors. It would have been a little harder to fix if it was glass shower doors. And praise God, he didn't go with the medicine cabinet. But I look at life, it's like, my reaction, I just, I just smiled. I smiled at my wife. I'm like, you know, nothing's sacred. You know, you finish things and they get dinged pretty quick. We did this, this, in the kitchen, we did this, live edge bar you know and and I have this oak and my friend that was helping me build it said you should just stress it I'm like no it looks beautiful and and like I it was like the day later I'm sitting there and I'm like son what are you doing and Jonathan's got a comb and he's all these dimples in this area of the bar and I'm like all right you know it's it's it's, it's just temporal. It's just here. What is peace? What is the peace that God's talking about? Lord God, I just pray that you would help me, Lord, to be a blessing to my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, that you'd help me to be an encouragement. Lord, as I point them toward your peace, Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. You are our hope. So God, I just pray, Lord, um, use me as an instrument today. And uh, Lord, let us find your peace in the midst of sometimes what seems chaotic. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the Lord came to the most unlikely in, in, you know, when he came to announce the coming of his peace. He went to the shepherds. Shepherds were, they were, they were just looked down upon. They were like, like who, who would, like who would, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't even allowed to worship. They weren't even allowed to go into the temple to worship because they were seen as so low. And yet our God loved them enough to go and say, this isn't, this, this gift of mine for peace isn't just for the wealthy, the religious. So Luke 2, 8 through 14, and there were shepherds living out in the fields To you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what, what is the peace? What is the peace that he's talking about? Um, the, the, ancient Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew concept of peace was, is rooted in the word shalom. And shalom meant wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, Safety, prosperity, and it carried, and it carried a permanence about it. Okay, um, so okay, that's that's the shalom. Okay, why is it that sometimes we lack shalom? We lack peace. If you go back to Genesis. The idea that we chose to be our own gods, that we chose to say, you know what? I think I can do it better, is where we lost our peace. And ever since then, it's been elusive, and people have tried to find peace, so they try to find it in different things. So um, when, when Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I, don't, I, I, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. What is that? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Okay? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about, I'm going to go, and I'm going to give you, 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 I'm going to give you peace. And it's not what the world gives. I'm going to give you peace that's going to, it's going to hold you up. It's, a, it's that counselor, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you this when I leave. So here, I'm giving you this peace. And I think sometimes our view of peace is Ozzie and Harriet. Like some of you guys know, like, you know, or leave it, like leave it to Beaver and, you know. It's, I can't even see your faces up there. So, um, can you see the glare? (laughs) I think that's all they see up there. All right. Um, Anyway, you know, peace is Ozzie and Harriet. um, If you get a gated community, uh, if we save enough, if we put enough away into a retirement account, we try to find these different things that we obtain our peace from. And it doesn't, you know, but the peace that he's giving us is not circumstantial. It's not, it's not a peace that if we get everything in order and we have things the way we think we'll be safe, then we're going to be okay. So um, if we have police protection, there's a riot outside and we have police protection. Okay, we have peace. There's no war right now. But the peace that he's giving us, is, is if that's breaking down, it's his peace. It's going to, it's going to hold us in the middle of that. Um, If, if you have, I've been in this place where you have some money in the bank, and it seems like it's going quicker than you want it to go and what does that cause for us if you've got some money you got a little nest egg and it's going and you're like it takes our peace it's like ah. or if you don't have two nickels to scrape together and we're we're like oh god where's the next meal coming from he's in both those places um There, there was a, a couple of years ago. I was, I had two boys, and we were on an island off the coast of Maine. And it was me and John LeFevre, a, a, a guy that used to work with me, used to come to this church. He's now in California working on becoming a psychologist. Um, but it's because of his love for the youth, and and that he went pursued that. But we were out on this island off the coast of Maine, and we were helping out a doctor friend of mine do some some stuff on his house on the island. Beautiful island off the coast, about a mile. Had to take this little boat. It was foggy the whole time. We couldn't see the mainland. But it was this grassy island, mile around, rocky crags. There were sheep on the island. And we're there working on this thing. And we were there three days. And on the day we were leaving, the fog was starting to lift. And you could see the the shore. And we're getting ready to head home. And one of the boys goes, hey, can I do one more? Can we go for one more ride on the four-wheeler? Okay, once I say that, you're like, uh-oh, okay. And, you know, because always at the end of a trip, you know. So I'm like, sure, you know, just, you know, so they went, and the two of them were on the four-wheeler, and they were taking pictures. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like they were driving crazy or anything like that. And forgive the boy noises, but it was like, blah, 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 blah. As the four-wheeler it was just, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't, ah, it wasn't crazy. It was just, blah, 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 blah. And then I just hear this scream. And so I ran from the boat. We were loading the boat down at the beach. They called it the Sandy Spit. Um, we're running up to the, to the house, and he's leaning against the wall. And I come up behind him. He turns around, and all I see is this bloody socket of where his eye was. Lord, have mercy. It was the words that came out of my mouth. And I took him. I'm like, we got to go see the doctor. Okay? And the guy that was, we were working on, he's a pediatrician. So I'm walking with him down to the water and the doctor walks right over to him, puts his finger on his on his eyelid and picks it up and goes, can you see me? And I could see his eyeball moving around in there. I'm like, oh, praise God, his eyeballs in there (laughs) because I'm just thinking, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, like, oh. And my heart, I was so heavy because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, is this kid that I was responsible for. Is he going to lose his eyesight? and you know so i call the mom the mom says bring them bring them home we'll bring them to our hospital i'm like it's seven hours away seven and a half hours away she's like bring them home to littleton i don't want them to be in the hospital there so i'm like okay so we get them across and we and i'm i don't know if we've ever driven like this but my one foot was on the gas pedal and the other foot was like this i think the whole way so it was like my leg was cramping up and stuff because I was just like, gotta get this kid home and he's sleeping next to me and I get, get to Littleton, I met them at the hospital and then he ends up brought down to Dartmouth because it was more severe than we thought and oh, I was like fearing that he was gonna lose his eye and it was, it was some heavy, heavy stuff. Um, and so I lost sleep. I had no peace. I'm rolling around going, and one of the things happened, I took risk management in grad school. I know what you should do and shouldn't do. And when I rolled that four wheeler over and I saw the helmet and goggles and knew that he didn't have either, I was like, I am so done. <laughs> I don't have a leg to stand on. And, you know, so I'm sitting there going, God, you know, what if, you know, like, oh, you know, my heart's breaking for him. I'm thinking about this doctor friend of mine. Is he going to get sued? I'm thinking about everything we've worked toward and thinking, no peace, no peace, wrestling. And I'd say it was probably a week, week and a half that I was wrestling with this and wrestling with this sick to my stomach. And he's back and forth with different things. And, and, um, and just to comfort you, he is a functioning carpenter. And his parents were gracious. And his parents said, Dave, it's Bimmer. He's an accident waiting to happen. You know, like if he didn't ride the four-wheeler, he'd probably fallen down and hit a rock. You know, it was like, it, it was, it, and it wasn't his first rodeo. It wasn't his last rodeo. But he is, he's doing fine. We're still friends. You know, he's an adult now. Um, we, st- we laugh about that, but but, um, but no, I, I was wrestling and wrestling, and the Holy Spirit just laid on my heart, Dave, like for my friend Jack Collop, the doctor, and for myself, it was like, Dave, I, I see all this. I know what you are, I know what I'm doing with you, and nothing can be taken away without me being aware of it. So if we got sued and lost everything, if my friend, trusting God that he knew, and he was sovereign, and not only that he would be aware of it, but he could replace it. If he's the one that gave it all to me in the first place, and that's what we have to look at, what we have did we really earn everything we have or is he given us the ability to earn it is he given us what we need to earn it so it was that idea that there was and i'll tell you what there was a peace that came over me because all of a sudden it's like god you've got all this you know what i need before it even comes to to me and you know but but realizing that he's got it can we lose our peace as christians yeah Uh, What are some other areas we can lose peace as Christians? Um, When we decide to get off the altar, when we decide to become our own gods again, and we try to take control, um, I, I think sometimes we try to fix others. We try to figure out ways to fix others when we can't fix ourselves. Because I I don't know about you guys, but I'm a terrible God. You know, I can't, I'm not very good at, at, and I can't fix, I can't even fix my own life, so Lord, fix me. Keep working on me, keep making me the man you want me to be, but I can't do it, and I can't fix people around me. So sometimes we get into other people's lives and we're trying to straighten out that, it might be the daughter-in-law, that just isn't, you know, like we gotta fix that, or the son-in-law, because they don't make, you know, that, that daughter-in-law doesn't do the stew right, you know, whatever. Um, but just we take on things. Sometimes we try to manipulate things, we try to control and manipulate things. So it's like, I've been guilty of this where we're all start figuring out ways to make something work and, and God's like, Dave, I don't need you to help me figure this out. I don't need you, I don't need you to, I know your needs. I'll take care of them. And um yeah, when um, a kingdom. I'm going to move on to uh, a kingdom economy. Um, Keller, a pastor in Manhattan, talks about a kingdom economy. And when we have a kingdom economy, it shifts everything. Okay? So, and what I mean by a kingdom economy are the paradoxes. So, in, um, in Mark 8, 35... For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for for the gospel will save it so we won't you know we'll we we will not find peace if we're picking up our life so if i look at like my marriage if 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 you go into marriage and you go into marriage with like a narcissistic mentality or just i'm going into this marriage for me how's that going to work for you? And I've often said that marriage is all about dying. And I, I have to be careful because sometimes it comes across like, oh, that old ball and chain. And that's not what I'm meaning. I'm meaning a good kind of dying is the idea that it's not all about me. And that's why Christ said, you know, when we marry, he said, husbands, Love your wives like Christ loved the church. What did Christ do? He laid down his life. He died. If I'm all about me all the time, there's nobody that's going to keep me happy. And it's a process because we, often we end up going, oh, I, I want things this way or that way. But dying in marriage in, in your family and whatever, laying down our lives and picking others up. So it's that kingdom economy is flipping everything on its end and saying, no, 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 this, the world is saying this is, you go for what you want. And the Lord is saying, no, I want you to die. And in dying, we find peace. And, you know, I think about that. How many dead people do you know who are tossing in their sleep? you know, like literally dead, you know, if we're dead to ourselves, we shouldn't be tossing in our sleep. Now, does it mean that I'm always, that I'm always at peace and I'm always no problem? Um, When I'm in a right place, there's that peace. Um, And part of it is knowing, knowing and trusting in our God's goodness. So, Like, if you think about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, okay, they knew God. And see, so part of it is, do we know God? If you know God, you know he's good. If you know God, you know he's a good father. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had that. They knew God. They knew God to the point where, when they wouldn't bow to the other God, because they knew their God was true and good, what did, what did... uh, the king's like, okay, you're in the furnace. And they said, well, you know what? We know that our God is good enough and powerful enough that he can deliver us from the furnace. But then he also said, they also said, and if he doesn't, he's still good. So here they're thrown into the furnace, And the king looks in there and he's like, wait a minute, his guards get burned to death while they throw him in the furnace because it's so hot. And he's looking in there and he sees four people dancing around. And he calls them out and they come out. Who's the fourth? The Holy Spirit. And they didn't even smell of smoke. Yesterday, I smelled like turkey smoke from Jim deep frying turkeys in the driveway. You could smell at the bottom of the driveway to the top of the driveway, but... But they didn't even smell of smoke. They trusted the goodness of God. Um, when when we're not when we're not walking in peace, I think it's an indicator where sometimes you like say say your your peace is being robbed and you're walking through the day and you're like, why am I lacking this peace? Sorry, I just slapped the mic. I'm Italian and my hands move a lot. Um, if If you're lacking peace, it's like the check engine light on your car. It's it's time to say, okay, maybe somebody close to you. Hey, is there something I'm missing? Because sometimes we carry a burden and we don't even know we're carrying it. Like one time I was carrying something and I kept giving it to the Lord and carrying it. Giving it to the Lord. I thought I was giving it to the Lord. And then then somebody did something and it was like, (sighs) And I was like, oh my gosh, I was carrying a lot. You know, so that check engine light, David, David went, Lord, search my heart. Show me if there's anything in there. I would encourage you, like, ask the Lord, Lord, I'm lacking peace. What is this? Where is this lack of peace coming from? Because I've had seasons like that where maybe there was some little sin that I was just holding on to, and just trying to justify, and trying to justify. And as I was trying to justify it, there was just a lack of peace. And finally, it's like, the Lord, uh, Lord, I confess. I think for David, he had that. When Nathaniel, when Nathan confronted him, and he said, Lord, I have sinned against you and God. I have sinned against man and, and God. When he sinned, and he confessed it, there was a freedom when he confessed that you know sometimes there's something in our heart that's keeping us from peace we're worrying about something we're trying to control something bring it before the lord and say lord take this away trust his goodness you know tr- tr- quit trying to be god um, philippians four four through seven is one of my favorite scriptures uh, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say, rejoice. And when he repeats this twice, there must be some emphasis on this. Rejoice in the Lord, and again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Can you imagine a peace that transcends all understanding? will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Again, this peace isn't circumstantial. It's not like we can control it or whatever. Um, another story, we were, we were down Memorial Day weekend. We were down in, we were on a trip down to Georgia for my nephew's deployment to Iraq. We were going to pray him off. And Memorial Day weekend, Saturday, we're driving through a rural part of North Carolina, south of Greensboro, and the transmission goes. Okay, Saturday, 11-ish, and vuh, nothing. Little wrench comes up on the dashboard. And I'm like, oh, Lord. So I got out of the car, and you know what? I responded gently, and I wanna confess that this is not in my flesh, but I praise God that the Holy Spirit gave me the grace to not react, but to respond and go, okay, God, what, what do you got in this? It wasn't that it wasn't, there wasn't pressure. The pressure cooker was there and there was, uh, but I didn't hyperventilate. I wasn't like, I'm wrapped around the axle, ah! No, the car's broken, God, what is in this? And you start going into that, are you trying to teach me some kind of lesson? Why'd the transmission break? You know. And it's, it's like, no, we live in a fallen world, vehicles break and ours broke. Okay. You're God. You're still God. You're still on the throne, even though my Ford broke. No offense to Ford dealer people. Um, Elijah. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, it broke down, and we're sitting there, seven bikes on it, a roof tote, five kids. It was the only four-hour stretch of our trip where my sister was driving with us with her little four-seater car, five-seater car from um, Cary, North Carolina to Georgia. So she helped in this. The tow truck shows up, and he's like, How many kids do you have? You know, it's just one cab. It wasn't an extended cab or anything. And this guy stacked my children in his car, in his, in his tow truck, Memorial Day weekend, police everywhere. And I'm like, Dude, you don't have to do this. He's like, No, no problem. You know, I'm like, Because I realized that he's putting himself at jeopardy for, for me so we're stacked the kids are going this is an adventure i'm going yeah it's gonna be a costly adventure but but so we're tow trucked up to greensboro north carolina and the whole way up there i'm listening to danny the tow truck driver and he's sharing about his mom he spent the whole night with his mom in the hospital and and i'm just like holy spirit is there something you want like do you want me just to listen do you want me to like what do you want here and just, and I'm not saying that out loud, but I'm just in my head, like, Lord, I want to be here for Danny, if that's who you want me to minister to right now. And so Danny, and he's getting a kick out of the kids talking about this adventure, and they're stacked, and we're trying to like make things comfortable, and we pass the police, and he waves, push that one down, you know, like. <laughs> so we're just, you know, we get up, we get up there, and and we drop the explorer at this huge Ford dealer. The kids raid the snacks in their waiting room. I get. Dropped off at the rental car place just down the road. They had a minivan. You know, again, Saturday Memorial Day weekend. Because that's where I'm like, Lord, you got to do this because there's no, like. So we had to go like an hour away. But we get there and I find out that Danny's mother had fallen since he was with us. So he was in this urgency of needing to get me dropped off the Enterprise dealer and get back to his mom. And I'm like, Danny, can I pray for you? And I was able to lay hands on him in his tow truck, in his flatbed, and just pray for Danny and pray that the Lord would meet him and that he would, you know, just not mistake in the Lord's, his goodness. And um, so it's like, you know, we, we get into these pressure cooker things. We get into these tough situations and we can hyperventilate. We can react or we can have that gentleness that only, only comes to us because of that peace that God said he'd give us said, I'm going to give you peace. And my peace is not what the world gives. The world's peace is, uh, you know, like, I mean, first of all, you know, yeah. Anyway, the world's peace is not, is not this. This peace gives us the peace that in the midst of a pressure cooker, we don't have to react. We can respond and go, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? That's only by the Holy Spirit. Different times where I found myself in, in a place where I start to lose my peace, my go-to is, is just meditating on the Word of God. There are times that I'll start stressing. Oh my gosh, you know, what are we going to And I'll start just going over in my head, Philippians 4.4. I'll go through Philippians. I'll go through... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He's aware of all things. And there's times that I'll start repeating these scriptures, and it's almost like this, this lightness comes over that pressure cooker, and I'll just fall into a sweet sleep, you know? And, and so that's been my go-to. is either. And I remember one time in college going to that scripture. That's where the scripture became my favorite, Philippians 4 was in college being under this incredible pressure and just crying out to the Lord and reading the scripture and crying and I felt almost like this peace came over my body and it was like I was like wow and it was a situation where what it was that I was struggling with I was delivered from in that moment through through God's grace Um, some of the, one of the things that, you know, if we trust his goodness, we know he's God. Are we, are we grateful? And it's interesting, there's been some brain-based research and what have you. And we had Jim Annan actually taught at Momentum a couple weeks on Thanksgiving. And in here, in, in, in this area, in, in um, Philippians, it talks about, you know, rejoicing, thankfulness, Gratitude. And this was fascinating. The brain-based research, this was done in 2017. Gratitude activates the brain stem region that releases dopamine and serotonin. Additionally, gratitude toward others increases activity in social dopamine circuits, which, which makes social interaction more enjoyable. Like the antidepressant Prozac, gratitude increases circulation, circulating levels of the neuro, tr, neuro, neurotransmitter serotonin. So God knew what he was doing. And I think of times, some of the times when I'm in the pressure cooker, and I'm thinking, like, you know, we have a season here. It's called Get Ready for Winter. You know, other parts of the country don't have that season. Are you guys aware of that? Like how many people have to put driveway stakes in? Yeah. Or, or snow tires on or get wood in. Well, other parts of the country don't have that. South Carolina, like what? You have, a, you have like a pre-winter season? We don't even have winter. We have electric heat, you know. And so, so I was going through this list that was like stealing my joy, stealing my peace, and I'm like, oh Lord, I have this to do and I have that to do and I have this to do. And, and you know how sometimes you write down a list and when you write down a list, it gets easier because it's like, okay, now that it's on a list, it's not really that big. Well, that wasn't the case. The list got longer. And I'm sitting there going, oh Lord. And as I was in prayer and I was journaling and I'm writing this list, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to thank me for these things. And I started thanking God for these things, whether they're done or not. But some of it was in in expectation. There's a form of worship that's called tada. And tada is when you raise your hands in expectation and say, praise God. I know that I'm going to go home to be with the Lord and I have an eternity with you. Tada is expectation. And so there's this, this Lord, thank you. Thank you for this. That's going to come to pass. We've got this land where we live that we believe someday God's going to use it for great things. He's already started, and I believe He's going to use it for more. I was praising God for that. I was praising God, and just you know, and you know what? Not everything got done before winter this year, but He's good. I don't have driveway stakes, so when I plow the driveway, I'm a little squirrely. So if you come up, it's not like it usually is, but but God is good. Um. You know, so in the middle of the pressure cooker, in the middle of the pressure cooker, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And let your gentleness be evident to all with thanksgiving. He is so good. And it's hard to shift out of that sometimes. And I'll tell you what happened. When I shifted to thanking God for that list of things, I, everything shifted. And I went from overwhelmed and reacting and tight as a knot that if I was home and one of my kids asked me, you know, like I was just there to peace and and just, yes, God, you've got this. You've got us. No matter what the outcome, you've got us. Colossians 3, 15, 4 through 18. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, we were called to peace and be thankful. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs and in the, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In conclusion, um, I, know that, I know that some people are, are, that this isn't an easy season. I know people lose people. There's different things. People are wrestling through different things, and sometimes the holidays can be hard for people, Um. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what kind of, what kind of things you're wrestling through. What, what's keeping you up at night? You know, what your check engine light is doing. God, search us. If we're, getting off, if we're getting off the altar and wanting to be our own gods again, God, help us to know that you are good. And that our hope is that we, and our peace, is that we have an eternal home with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not give. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. He has given you the Holy Spirit to to be your comforter, to be your counselor. His peace is with you even when all the circumstantial things that we lean on, I, I, I mentioned someone, you know, gosh, it doesn't matter if I've got a nest egg of millions. We could go through an economic earthquake and I could be next door neighbors to the Lahoots in a, in a refugee camp going, hey, Ron, how you doing, buddy? You know, my hope and my peace comes from knowing that he's got me. And that peace is that peace is there for all of us um, so even when all those things whether it's gated communities all those things that we go to for peace are peeled away you know because we do find peace when you have police that are between you and the bad guy but if that's peeled away do we still have peace and we we, we did the persecuted church they have peace in the midst of that. If, if you are struggling with peace and you want someone to pray with you or you want to just talk to somebody, um, you got. there's plenty of people here. Just seek someone out and sit down. That's what body life is about. That's what the family is about. Um, we all sometimes slip in and out of that place. Where we need the grace of God and we need His peace. So um, I just want to encourage you that we're here and His peace that He gives us is not the peace of this world. It's not the peace that we grab onto here. Lord God, I just thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would help us to walk in that peace, Lord. God, that is ours. You said, I give you this peace. It's ours. So Lord, help us to walk in your spirit. Help us to walk in your peace that the world might know that we're your followers. And Lord, I pray for those here who might be struggling with that, that you would meet them. And Lord, guard them with that peace that transcends understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.